0: So we say that Jesus is more than enough, and I know that we believe that, but do we believe it enough to actually live it? See, here's the challenge for us. The challenge for us is that so often there's a disconnect between what we say and how we live, and, and again, uh, today I'm not going to, uh, you need to know that, that what I'm talking about today is first hitting me before I start talking to you about it, and, and it's it's it, it's gonna. Uh, it, it, I I just I get so concerned in my own life, um, where I'm looking at all these other things to try to bring a little sense of satisfaction. Uh, to add a little juice to my soul. I, I look at all these different things that might uh, give a little bit more thrill and, and, and a little bit more strength, and, and I'm looking at all those things, and, and, and somewhere along the way, I forget that it's really Jesus plus nothing. That's enough. And and I know that's hard because we like the plus something. We we like to have the other stuff. We 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 like to have the 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 uh the different things that come alongside us, whether it's um, the strength we find in numbers with people around us, or the the strength we'll find with with uh, uh, finances, or uh, the happy that we get when uh, our plans come together—all those things—we we look at all those things and say, "Yeah, that's that's the plus something," and I like those plus somethings, and I I do too. But we're not. We're not going to experience the full measure of life until we get to the place where it's Jesus plus nothing is enough. That's hard but but that's that 's the unsearchable riches of christ we 've been looking at the unsearchable riches of Christ and and we, we, we hear that Paul said, "Hey, listen, God has given me a mission to proclaim the unsearchable riches of christ and and and, and then we began to unpack what those unsearchable riches are. We, we looked at how the unsearchable riches they, 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 they come through Christ, who is the king of the cosmos. We saw in Colossians chapter one Jesus is the the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him and through him all things that were made uh, that are in heaven and on earth, uh, whether visible or invisible, all things were made through him and for him, and by him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, which is the church, the firstborn over all creation, that in all things he might have Preeminence. And we look at Jesus. He's the king of creation. He is the creator of the cosmos. And yet he is the one who is determined to live in friendship with you and me, the creator of everything, has determined to say, hey, I want you to be in my family. That's an amazing thing. It should be a life-changing thing. And then we look down in Colossians 1, verse 27, and and, and really just focus in on one phrase, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And and I just want to just kind of refocus again, what is this Christ in me? Christ in you is more than just some religious pursuit. It's more than just following rules and regulations of a religious idea. It is more than just checking boxes on what it means to be a Baptist or a church-going person or a moral man or woman. It, it, it's, it, it's, Christ in you is something that will wreck your world. Christ in you is where Jesus is everything in in you it's 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 a relationship that changes your life and changes the way you live and changes the way you think and changes where you go and what you do Christ in you that's our glorious hope it is it is that i live in friendship with god through jesus and he has changed my life and he is changing my life and i walk hand in hand with the creator of the universe and that is my hope that I know Jesus and He knows me, and I am changed and am being changed by that relationship, Christ in you. And that'll wreck your world because when Jesus is alive in you, it, it changes everything. It, it changes the way you look at yourself. It changes the way you look at the world around you. It changes how you view your relationships. It it changes your pursuits and your ideas and your ideals. It it changes everything, Christ in you, but that's where hope comes from. And then we moved on to Ephesians chapter 1, and we looked at verses 15 through 23, where where Paul said, hey, listen, since I heard of your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and and your love for for the saints, I, 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 I haven't ceased to give thanks for you and Make mention of you my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your heart and your mind uh, would be open and enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling, what is the glorious and uh, uh, in, in, uh, the riches uh, of uh, glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power at work among us. Uh, Paul said, hey, listen, I want you to get wise and stop acting a fool and understand what God has done and is doing in your life. And, and, and that's what Jesus does. He gives us this wondrous wisdom, insight and, and, and understanding in, in who God is and who we are in relationship with him. And we've been looking at the unsearchable riches, and and here's where the water hits the wheel and the and the dog begins to hunt and the fish begins to swim and the rubber hits the road and 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 all that. Y'all get those, right? It's where the action really takes place. It's it's that we live in relationship with Jesus, and Jesus is changing our lives so that we are walking and living under the perpetual care that He provides. Perpetual care. Today's going to be, in some ways, a very very encouraging, I hope, inspiring message from God's Word. And and, and Romans 8.28, I mean, come on. How do you get more inspiring than Romans 8.28? Look at it again. Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. I just want you to look at that verse for a second, and and, and we're gonna come back to it in a moment, but but I, I want to identify who the people are that, that Paul's addressing here in verse 28. He's saying that that all things, we know all things work together for good. For whom? To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, who are those people? Those are followers of Jesus. Those are the people who, whose life has been transformed by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Those are the people. Uh, not, not, and, and again, this isn't church-going folk. There are plenty of church-going folk that aren't followers of Jesus. And I, 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 I always feel like I need to say that because I don't want you to have any false hope that just because you're sitting in a pew makes you a follower of Jesus. Any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Or sitting in a doghouse makes you a dog. Or climbing a tree makes you a monkey. You, know, you see what I'm saying. I mean, just because you're in the room doesn't mean that you're a follower of Jesus. There is something that has to take place, a transformation that has to shape your life, and that is that is something that God does by His grace. When He, as as Paul writes in verse tw- tw- uh, twenty nine and thirty, He says that whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that in all that that He might be the firstborn among many brethren, and whom He for uh, uh, whom He predestined, He called, and whom He called, He uh, justified in whom he justified, he will also glorify. And, and, and he's talking about followers of Jesus. And this is, this is who we are if indeed we have been transformed by God's grace through faith in Christ. If if, if there's been this, this transaction of grace that's taken place in your life, if that's who you are, I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about being changed by Jesus. You're following after Jesus. Your your whole life has been altered by Jesus. He's wrecked your world. You know, I mean, this is who you are. You're, you're not, I, I'm, look, I, I understand that, that, that for many of us, the pursuit of our life is, is um, something like being happy. Now, we, we wouldn't say that necessarily in church because you're afraid, well, that's not the church answer, but, but the pursuit of your life, the way you live your life is, I want to be happy. Or, or you set the trajectory of your life and the decisions you make. It, it's, I want to uh, be comfortable. I want to escape pain or problems. I understand that. Look, I, I've lived there. I, I still live there. I'm tempted to live there again today. I, I get that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm just talking with you about what God's doing in my heart. And, and the reality is that when I give myself to pursue a purpose less than what God has saved me to pursue, then, then, then I'm gonna be dissatisfied. Jesus is not enough. I mean, what is the pursuit that, that, that we're supposed to have as followers of Jesus? Is it, 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 what is it that, that we're supposed to It's to be more like Jesus, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Hey! Here's who we are. Here's our purpose. We are to live each day so that we become more and more and more and more and more like Jesus. This is what God is working in our life. Not that we become more comfortable. Not that we get happy, happy, happy. Not that we can do a happy dance every now and then. What God is working in our life, the good that he is shaping us for is that we would become more and more and more and more like Jesus. And when we settle for just being comfortable or we settle for just a happy, happy, happy right now, then we are dismantling what God has purposed for us. And we're dissatisfied. Jesus is not enough. So what I I want us to see today is that God is working in you and me, and he's doing something special and significant so that we can experience the full measure of satisfaction under his perpetual care. What what Paul is saying in in Romans 8, 28 is simply that the unsearchable riches of Christ unleash God's perpetual care in our lives, and this is what we need. We need His perpetual care so that we can grow to become more like Jesus. Hey, listen, you realize that we live in a world that is messed up. Am I right? My goodness, if the last two months have taught us anything, we live in a world that is messed up. You know, fires in California and tragic shootings in Las Vegas and... and, and, and Devastation of hurricanes in Houston and Florida and the Gulf Coast. Just touching on a portion of the groaning of creation and life that is filled with a, a sense of darkness and doom and gloom and despair. And we, we, We need to help people who are in that place and helping people in that place in the the devastation of real world living is is not just following a set of religious rules that that have have this idea of making us okay. It's, It's that we need to be immersed in these riches of Christ and live under his perpetual care and help others find the provision of grace that God offers through Jesus. There are people you encounter today, tomorrow, the next day, and they are wandering around aimlessly. They're living without hope in this world. And when they look at your life as a follower of Jesus, do they think, wow, wow, that person is satisfied. They've gone through some tough times, but that person is content. When they look at your life, and guys, I've got to tell you, if they looked at mine on any given day, I'd be afraid sometimes of what their answer might be because I'm not sure that I'm always living like Jesus is enough satisfying my soul, but I need to because he does and he has and he will. And I have a friend that I work with and he needs to know that there's hope beyond what he can do with his own hands and that there is something powerful in this world that is worth living for, that Jesus is enough. So as we look at this passage, I just want us to touch on a couple of things. And, and Paul, and, and by the way, there, there are a dozen other things that I could talk about on top of what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to do what preachers have done for, for ages. I'm going to give you three points, although there could be 12 uh, or 20, just three. I'll probably have a prayer in there. There's no poem today, and I'm sorry. I feel like I failed you a little bit, but um, I just want us to look at three Points of this perpetual care that God gives and why He gives it, and, and the first point is that we have this perpetual care because uh, Jesus transforms our condemnation into compassion through His sacrifice. Now that, that that's how we become the called according to god 's purpose that 's how we uh, become the people who have been uh, foreknown and predestined and called and and, and, and justified and glorified. The, the way we get there is through jesus and and this is how we have a life that is significant and meaningful and, and satisfying it's, it's that 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 God, in his grace, sent Jesus to transform the condemnation that we feel under the weight of our sin and mistakes and pasts and failures and, and, and replaces it with the compassionate care that he provides for his children, those who belong to him. We see this in Romans 8. Just go up to verse 1 and following. And I, and I just want you to touch on this. Romans 8, 1 through 4. And Paul writes, and this is the beginning, man, he is, he's just going to hit it hard at the very top. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who are walking not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do is weak in this weakened the flesh. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who are walking not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I I just want you to sink in and lean into this one truth. There is, therefore, now, no condemnation. If you are a follower of Jesus, all the things that have condemned you have been forgiven, wiped away, the slate has been cleaned, here is good news. This, is, this, this ought to satisfy your soul that you don't have to try to, to, to earn your way back in the good graces of God. There's no way we could do it anyway. What, what, what we have is the ghoulish goblin of our sin and our slips and our failing and our failures, past, present, and future, have all been destroyed and wiped away by Jesus when he hung on a cross and he died in my place and took my sin upon himself and planted his righteousness, his perfect obedience upon me. Everything changes. There's a new way to live. But the problem is sometimes the ghouls and the ghosts and the goblins, we kind of resurrect them a little bit. When I was, when I was a kid, there were, there were some some. some some really ghoulish characters that came across movies, and I think they're still out there. There's a guy named Freddy Krueger. Another cat named Michael Myers. And then another one named Jason Voorhees. This great trilogy of pain and disaster and doing all kinds of devilish things in the world. They, 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 they haunted nightmares and, and chased after uh, unsuspecting innocents, and they did everything they could to wreak havoc. And, and, and at the end of their respective movies, whether it was Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween, at the end of those respective movies, you thought the villain was dead. You thought Michael Myers was gone. You thought Jason Voorhees had finally sunk and and breathed his last in the lake. You thought that Freddy Krueger had been destined to uh, devastation in the in the pits of his own nightmare. You you thought that the ghouls were dead, but then there came Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, <laughs> and three, and four, and five, and six. And seven. these guys just wouldn't die. And for many of us, that's what we do with our sin. And that's what we do with the condemnation of our past. And that's what we do with the guilt that, 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 that hangs its chains around our soul. Even as followers of Christ, we, we, we look back upon those ghouls and they keep haunting us. That's what condemnation looks like. But Jesus has come to kill condemnation and to destine those ghoulish memories and, and, and the painful consequences of our sinfulness to hell itself. He's already won the victory and he's given it to us. We live victorious, not because of work that we've done, but because of Jesus who is enough. And that provides for us the perpetual care that we need in the face of our sinfulness, and guys, I got to tell you, in case you didn't know it, I'm a sinful man. Even still, I blow it regularly, and I disappoint. I I disappoint the ones I love the most. Isn't that crazy? I, I wish. I wish that I was perfect, but I'm not. And, I know that you have that same feeling sometimes, don't you? But even in my fallenness and even in my sinfulness and even in my mistakes, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God for that glorious transaction of grace. That's perpetual care freed up from the shame and the guilt and the stain of my sin. Covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus is enough. But not only does Jesus transform condemnation to the compassion of God's care uh, through the sacrifice of Christ, but but, but also Jesus gives us his spirit to strengthen us in our weakness. Uh, You could look uh, throughout uh, all of Romans 8 and I, I, I'm kind of giving you a shorthand on this but, but if you look at the last part of verse 1 and verse 4 it says for those who walk according to the spirit not according to the flesh it goes on and says later in a few verses down to be, to be uh, uh, spiritually minded is life and peace but to be fleshly minded is death itself I mean, he's talking about the way we live and and, and, and here's the deal. I think that sometimes in my life, maybe yours as well, we get to this point where we think, I can handle it. I got it. I, we get to the place where in our bravado, our machismo, we pretend like everything's going to be okay. All I have to do is follow my heart, and believe in myself. If you haven't heard it yet, let me tell you, if this is the first time you've heard it, I want you to listen well. To believe in yourself and to follow your heart is the way to ruin your life. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean I'm not supposed to believe in myself? My goodness, no. Absolutely not. Believe in yourself. Look where that heads you. Where did that lead you before? You believe in yourself. You know what that ends up in? Tragedy. Oh, you mean I'm not supposed to follow my heart? Good night. No. Don't. Don't do that. Every time I believed in myself and followed my heart, it's created tragedy in my life. And it will in yours as well. You want to know why? Because if you believe in yourself, thats I, I understand what that means. And sure, I mean, you, you, you can believe in yourself, but you're going to come up short. There comes a weight you cannot lift. There comes a tragedy you cannot navigate. There comes a circumstance that's beyond your ability, and you don't have any resource because all you have is yourself and you're not strong enough and you're not smart enough and despite what you might think you're probably not good looking enough (laughs) to navigate the pain to circumvent the struggle what about my heart if I don't follow my heart then what happens well if you don't follow your heart then maybe you're gonna start looking to someone else to guide you and that really is where we need to be see To walk in the flesh means that I determine that I can handle life on my own. For many of us, we think of, of walking in the flesh as, as uh, the, the bright lights, big city kind of lifestyle. The, the follow the flesh, you know, walk in the flesh. That's, that's the big sins, you know, the, the seven sins, you know, all those bad things that, we, that, that are out there. Well, that's walking in the flesh. It's the lust and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and that's what we think of when we say walking in the flesh. But it, could I suggest that perhaps maybe for the people in this room today, walking in the flesh is simply saying, I don't need God, I got this. And saying, God, I know you want me to do something A, B, or C, but I want to do D because that's going to be more comfortable for me. Walking in the flesh is ignoring God and following your heart and believing in yourself. See, we're not called to believe in ourselves. We're called to believe in Jesus. He's enough. I'm not enough. I had to come to this realization it's it's hard as a pastor, and this is just a little pastor. Little pastor ditty. Um, It's hard as a pastor because many times we 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 set it up the whole thing church thing like the pastor's the one who's supposed to you know I'm supposed to have the answers and I'm supposed to give you all the clues and I'm supposed to you know I'm supposed to do all this stuff for you and 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 I get that but but the problem is I don't have all the answers. I can just point you in the direction where the answers rest and lie. I, I, can't, I can't do anything supernatural in your life. I, it always makes me giggle when I get on a plane. They ask me what I do, and I say I'm a pastor, and they say, oh, we're safe. And they say, you don't know me very well. You know. I, or or, they, or they, they come along and they say, you know, uh, pastor, you have, pastor. can you pray a prayer and keep the rain back? Uh, no. No. My prayer is no more powerful than yours, but it gets a little challenging because there comes a point where you start feeling bad that you're not able to do all these things that people are wanting you to do, and that's that's when you're either going to rise and fall. That's, that's when you're either going to become prideful and say, I've got to get better so I can do the things that everybody's expecting me to do, or you get weaker and you say... I don't have any strength, and I need the Spirit of God to do this. Now, that's what Paul's talking about. We need to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And walking in the Spirit, in verse 26 and 27, really gives us the, the key. It says, uh, likewise, the Spirit also intercedes for us or, or helps us in our weaknesses. For there are seasons and times when we don't know even what their groanings in our heart that are unutterable, and we don't even know what we should pray, but the Spirit of God makes intercession for us on our behalf. And and he who knows the the hearts of us all uh, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, and he intercedes for us according to the will of God. Now, I want you to key in on just one, one aspect of that. If you want strength for living, it comes when you are dependent on the Holy Spirit. Strength for living doesn't come because you've got a lot of smarts or because you've got charisma or because you've got some answers. Strength for living doesn't come because you can bench press 250 or, or, or squat 450 or do a, a, a marathon or any of those things. That's not where strength comes from. Strength comes from our weakness strength comes when we acknowledge that i don't have the resources i need to live this life and to navigate the 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 difficulties that come my way i don't have what i need but boy i've got the spirit of god I, i i pray that god would awaken us to the spirit's power And that we would yield ourselves to the Spirit's power. And can, I, can I give you a clue? You're not going to get the Spirit's power by doing life your way. Now, the very last phrase in verse 27, the key to tapping into the exceeding greatness of God's power that's at work in those who believe. You know, the very key ingredient there is that we walk in the Spirit according to the will of God. The only way we can experience spiritual power, strength in our weakness, is when we determine that our hearts and our minds, our attitude, and even our emotions, our actions are all centered on God's will. And how do you know God's will? Well, you know God's will from God's word. The Spirit of God opens our eyes to see what God's Word says. We follow after God's Word as the Spirit speaks to our heart and illumines what God's Word says. We walk according to His will, and as we walk according to His will, then He strengthens us for every obstacle that we face. Guys, I tell you, I wake up in the morning and I see a bunch of obstacles before me, and they are bigger than I can handle. There's not a day goes by that I don't look at my circumstances or my life or the things in front of me and I say, my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to handle it, but that's the best place for me to be because in my weakness, then I can bend before a holy God and say, God, if you don't do it, I'm going to drown. So God, I'm dependent on you. Show me what to do. Lead me in the truth. Guide me today and let me have your strength. Now that's where we've got to be. And you don't have to say it like that because some of you don't have that kind of. (laughs) I can make fun of myself. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked me, why do you yell? I can't help it. I get excited. Do y'all ever see my feet? I mean, I wear my Fitbit. And it says, I mean, like the, I, I, I've walked a thousand steps. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm just a thousand steps right here, you know. <laughs> oh, my soul. Look, Jesus has given us his spirit. He promised in John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus said, hey, listen, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, I'm going to send you another helper, the comforter, the spirit of truth. And he will guide you into all truth. And when he comes, he will help you do even greater things than I've done, Jesus said. Hey, listen, it is to our advantage to be in our weakness. Because in our weakness, he becomes strong in us and for us and through us according to God's will. Jesus gives us his spirit so that we face today with confidence, not confidence in our ability, but confidence in the spirit strengthening us. So Jesus gives us his spirit. He transforms con- condemnation to compassion. And finally, finally, Jesus weaves the fabric of our life into a beautiful work of art. I know some of you look at your life and you look at the dark hues, the the soulful colors. It's all dark and gray and bleak and dismal. And I understand that. My goodness, some of you have gone through tragedy and trauma that I've never even imagined to face. Some of you have been on the receiving end of wounds that I can't even imagine how to handle. Some of you have experienced great losses in life. Some of you are in the middle of a season that is so filled with suffering that even waking up is a painful thing and going to bed is a relief. And those dark, dismal colors have shaped and formed the way you view your life. But I want you to listen to what Paul writes once again. And we know that all things... Work together, that God works all things together for the good of those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose. Paul says, we know. That's not a, I hope. That's not a, I wish. That's not, maybe it'll work out. No, Paul says, we know. That is a statement of absolute certainty Paul says, this is something I'm hanging my life on. This is something I'm depending on for, the, for my today, for my past, for my present, and for my future, that God in his great grace sent Jesus to take all the colors of my life, the dark ones and the brilliantly lighted ones. It's the not just the blues that I sing, but it's also the walking on sunshine songs that I sing. It's, it's every aspect of my life, the all things of my life. And God sent Jesus to take all these things and weave them together, work them together into a beautiful masterpiece of his grace. We know this. No matter what you're going through, no matter the pain, no matter the sorrow, no matter the grief, I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just saying that God is working it out right now. He is weaving it together right now into a beautiful masterpiece of his grace and his love. He is working in your life and you might not see it and you might not understand what you're going through right now. You might not see how to navigate it and that's okay, but in your dependence, crying out to the spirit, take those soulful colors, those bleak and dark suffering moments the bright, brilliant moments of celebration. Take all the colors of your life and put them in the hands of Jesus and he will weave it together in a beautiful work of art. All things work together for the good to those who love God, to the called according to his purpose. But you've got to entrust it to him. You've got to let him have it. He wants it. Oh, This is so beautiful. This is so wonderful. That God delights in creating a masterpiece over things, out of things that that were so painful to us. The things that were so disappointing to us. Things that were so difficult for us. We look back and we see how Jesus has woven those threads through the fabric of our life and how they form a beautiful work of art we know it's not a guess, it's not a wish, it's a certainty. Wherever you are on this journey of life, we know that if you're a follower of Jesus, he is working all things toward the good. That's what he does. Look at verse 31. And I, and I just want to end with this because, again, verse 31 is the beginning of another sermon, and I don't have time for it, but, but verse 31, Paul Paul's talked about all these things, how, how that there is therefore now no condemnation, that, that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. He's, he's talked about walking in the Spirit, not walking in the flesh. He's talked about uh, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, and, and in, even when we have these deep longings and groanings in our life, that the Spirit is interceding on our behalf and leading us toward the will of God to strengthen us in our weakness. And, and even now, we can have confidence that if we entrust into the hands of Jesus, if we'll just let him have this season of sorrow, suffering, victory, or rejoicing, and just put it in his hands, he's gonna create this wonderful masterpiece of grace. And so Paul says in verse 31, and what shall we say about all these things? If God is for us, who then? Can stand against us. God is for us. You're part of his family. He's for you. He's ready. You know the beautiful thing. In my life is when my daughters. Call me or text me and say daddy I need help. I I don't have words to. Tell you what that means to me. My girls ask me for help, man. I I rejoice. I rejoice in the opportunity to show them love in a unique way. And when they call, they 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 always are talking about circumstances that were placed upon them because my daughters are perfect and they've never made mistakes. <laughs> but if they had. My girls, they call and even if it's a mess that they've made themselves, the choices that they've made, path that they've followed that's led to disaster, when they call me and say, Daddy, I need help, I delight in helping them. And my God, Who knows my name? When I call him, whether it's a mess I've made for myself or circumstances beyond my ability to control, and I cry out to him and I say, Oh God, help me. My father, who knows my name, delights in helping. This is my perpetual care, all because Jesus is enough. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Right now, as your head and heart is bowed before the living God, will you take this moment and will you thank him? If indeed you're a follower of Jesus, if you are one that that he has rescued from the pit of sin and and, and, and shame, if, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior and King, if you have been transformed by God's grace, then will you thank Him for transforming the condemnation and killing it and replacing it with compassion and care? As you thank Him, you take this moment? Will you acknowledge your weaknesses before the holy God that loves to help? Maybe in these next few moments you just need to take time and cry out to the Spirit of God. Maybe even longings and groanings in your soul that you can't even describe, but, but you've got them there. Maybe you just need to bow before God, right now, and, and, and just, just ask the Spirit's help. In dependence, your place of dependence becomes your, your place of strength as you cry out to the Spirit of God to walk in the will that He unveils. And Finally, as you cry out to the Spirit of God, to give you strength in the midst of your weakness. Will you take the wounds of your life and entrust them into the care of Jesus, who will weave the fabric of your life into a beautiful masterpiece of His grace? Will you take the pains of your life, and the sorrows, and the sufferings, and the troubles, and the trauma, and the drama, and the difficulties, you take all those threads of your life and will you entrust them to Jesus right now. Who will weave it into the fabric of your life creating a beautiful masterpiece of His grace. Will you take the victories and the hopes and your dreams. Take your desires, the corrections He's given you your obedience and take all that you are and place it in the hands of Jesus who is weaving the fabric of your life to a masterpiece of his grace. Now, Lord Jesus, will you speak to our hearts and help for us to call upon you. Thank you. You know us intimately and personally. Now, Lord God Almighty, as I am known by you, I come to you for help. Will you delight in this moment to help me? It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.